had quite a lot of difficulty with episode 46 because for some reason I recorded it in my trusty breast pocket as I was walking and it for some reason or other generated an unfathomable amount of background noise. Not all of which I managed to get rid of by editing. I hope I got rid of most of it. Although you can hear me plodding along. However, I'm going to uh, try and do something else today uh, because I'm out on my walk again. It's a very cold January day, but a beautiful day. Sun is about, I suppose, two hours short of setting. And we're already a month beyond the earliest sunset. So I guess that's to be expected. And on a cold day like today, our solar panels, although they're not generating 40 or 50 kilowatts as they do in the height of summer, they like it cold. And indeed, the best place for a solar farm is actually in Antarctica, where it gets about as cold as it gets, because they love cold temperatures, um, for reasons I'm not going to bore you with. I wanted to say something else. I wanted to say something about a passing remark that I made yesterday in episode 46 about the intentions of authors and the whole question of what we can understand by the things that AI neural nets and engines produce. And I made strongly the point that you can't just dismiss it as though it is of no, no significance because the neural nets themselves have been trained on something that makes them, in some sense or other, repositories of human culture. So let's take that point and try and do a little bit more with it. Let's suppose that I'm looking at my generated art, the false matices or whatever it might be, that I have produced on my computer at home. And somebody says, yes, but they're not, not only are they not genuine, but they're also empty, they're meaningless. They have no, nothing to tell us because there was no intentional mind behind them. And I'm sure there will be a lot of people who would want to say that. And so I'd like to say now why I think that's a mistake. Now, there are a lot of reasons, but the one that I want to concentrate on is to do with what a human is doing when they create art, or when they write, or when they do anything. Because it is a fantasy to suppose that when we do our painting or our writing, creating, we're doing anything more than saying, this is what I want to do. What I've done satisfies my own self-set standards. I'm happy with it. So this is my writing, or this is my podcast, or this is my art, or my sculpture, or my music, etc. And the relationship between me, or any artist, and that piece of work, I specifically mentioned the deliberation that Van Gogh put into every brushstroke as an example of this. 
or whatever is going on, there is still an enormous gap between what we do and the full reason for why we do it. Because in the background, our brains, just like the neural net, are in a sense repositories of a culture, of a human culture. So when I write something, or when I, to use the phrase that was in episode 46, find the words just tumbling out of my mouth, even though I'm not thinking about them in advance any more than I am now, when the words just tumble out of my mouth, they don't come from nowhere any more than the images that the AI produces come from nowhere. They come from a brain. It may not be much of a brain, but insofar as it's a brain, it has, over the course of decades, embodied a certain aspect, or a multifaceted, multidimensional aspect of human culture. And it is also, genetically, a part of a very long evolutionary journey that has given rise to brains such as it. And even if it is in its own way unique, nevertheless our cultures and our languages and so on do configure these different brains, at least so that they can communicate and to some extent function together. So when I say what I'm saying, or when I write what I write, or paint what I paint, write the music that I, whatever, I am giving voice to, is a metaphor, giving voice to something which is one instantiation of my brain and probably an instantiation of one part of my brain or to take the latent space analogy, something in my brain has been uh, amplified and given right has given rise to a thought a word a book a painting a television series whatever a war it has given rise to something that is a sort of denoised manifestation of that point in the latent space that is my head my brain and I don't think that there is much different between that and what an AI is doing. So that when we look at what I called throughout episode 46 a fake Matisse, or when, I, when we see something that is clearly not an original, it is a mistake, a very big mistake to say therefore it can't mean anything. Therefore, it can't be valuable. Therefore, it can't tell us anything about the world or about anything. Because the point that I'm making is that just as a human brain, when it creates Shakespeare's plays or Rembrandt's paintings or Mozart's music, when it does all those things, to a very considerable extent, a far greater extent than we generally acknowledge, it is not doing it under any kind of deliberate conscious intention. 
it may well be that the consciousness is saying let's write something and we write something but beyond that the brain really just pours out whatever it wants to pour out as it denoises this neurological latent space and therefore what it produces in both cases is just as likely to be of some value and another point that I didn't make yesterday which I should have done so I'll make it now is that the denoised instances of the images of Magritte that I was talking about at such length are also every single one of them unique because if I were to run the same program again we're using the same prompt on the same machine with the same model I would not get the same images I would not they might bear resemblances to one another indeed it would be surprising if they didn't given the genesis of their evolution but they would all be different so if uniqueness scarcity well I don't know about scarcity but certainly rarity in the sense of the needle in a haystack if that is the case then these paintings these images these digital images as it is at the moment they're every bit as unique as any Matisse or any other painting. I couldn't reproduce them except by painstakingly reproducing the numbers that give rise to them exactly. I couldn't reproduce them by rerunning the program because these programs, this is really harking back to a very long way in this series right at the very near the beginning these these uh, genesis these these uh, gen generations of these uh, ge trajectories are not deterministic they're probabilistic so every time you run the program you get a different outcome now somebody can say well that just underlines the fact that they're valueless because they're just random collections of dots but they're clearly not random collections of dots they clearly to some extent even if we find it very difficult to say how they clearly to some extent give expression to a feature of the human condition that is whether we like it or not unique and I would argue every bit as likely because of the nature of a neural net to be hate the word but meaningful as anything else you may may not agree with me you may want the warm feeling of there being an artist's intentions somewhere behind a painting or a book or a piece of music but I think that that is just a human prejudice certainly whatever it was that gave rise to a painting or a piece of music anything at all is a product of what may in many ways be a very surprising perhaps sometimes inspiring perhaps sometimes tragic human history 
And one of the reasons why we love to pore over the autobiographies and biographies of artists is, I suppose, because we hope somehow to gain an insight into whatever it is, if indeed it's anything much at all, that led to their extraordinary creativity, which we value so much. And so we think that if we read carefully their life story, we may see some clues that might help us to, to do likewise. I think not. I think not. I think that's a futile exercise, if that's why we read biographies. And so I suspect that somewhere buried in this mound of tangled webs, what is going on is that we have stumbled on in our neural nets, in our embeddings, in our attention mechanisms, in our image generators. We've stumbled on something that first encapsulates and then recapitulates and reconstructs aspects of human experience that we used to think were uniquely embodied in human brains and we can now see are not just embodied in a minor sense but in a major sense embodied in these neural nets and artificial intelligence engines and I think that's just so exciting and fascinating that it takes your takes one's breath away so there we are. Thank you for listening.